welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Well, we've got some declarations to make. We've got some new declarations. Are you enjoying these declarations? So good. So we don't have them memorized yet, right? But we got it on the screen, so let's put our hand over our heart. Here we go. I declare that I am created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2020 is my year of transformation. Things are not just going to change for the better, but 2020 will be my best year ever. I declare that 2020 is double-double for me. Double blessing, double anointing, double portion of good things in every area of my life. I declare that according to Psalm 65:11, that God is crowning my year with goodness and my path will drip with abundance. I declare that as I am taught the Word of God and apply it, that I am wonderfully well and blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Amen. Give yourselves a hand and you may be seated. Well, I feel so privileged that I get to speak to you today about relationships. You know, as I think about my relationships in all my life, whether it's been from the time I was younger, the ones I can remember, my relationship with my parents, people when we first started this church, and um, we met in an elementary school. How grateful I am for the relationships of the people that came alongside of us and helped us grow what was Celebration Covenant Church, and now you guys being here as Elevate Life Church, that we can do relationship and we can do life together. But you know, all those relationships that I've had in the past were not always easy relationships. They started out maybe easy, but just as people maybe have left or um, life, their life has changed and they've gone different directions, I'm, I'm still grateful for those friendships, for the ones maybe that were more of a struggle for me. You know why? It made me who I am today. And I know you could probably say that in your life today. As hard as some relationships have been for you, maybe it's been with an ex, Maybe it's just been really somebody that set themselves as an enemy. It's caused you to be a better person, maybe to even be a better friend. And so that's what relationships should do. They should make, help us to be better. Do you know the number one thing that we talk a lot about, and it's probably the number one topic in all of our conversations, that is relationships. Because relationships are so consuming, aren't they? Because they involve every area of our life. We have relationships that are energy demanding. We have relationships that are energy producing. And don't we love those energy producing relationships? Because you know, in those energy producing relationships, a lot of times is where we can really have great relationships. But on both sides of it, by having energy demanding and energy producing relationships, they really do help us grow. So it doesn't take just all positive relationships to help us grow. Some of them cannot be the most positive. So if we're going to have great relationships, we're gonna to have to do certain things. There's gonna be things that are important for us to do. When I think about anything that, anybody that's done anything great, I think about athletes. They have had to give a lot of practice. They have had to do uh, a lot of work in order to be a great athlete. I think about people that are musicians. If you've ever played a musical instrument or you've ever played the piano before and you've had to just labor at that piano and your mom made you stay there and said, no, 30 more minutes. I mean, every day. It was hours and hours of practice to get better at your skill. And that's the way it is in life. That if we're going to be good at something, we're going to have to give a lot of practice. So you can probably think about things that are in your life that you have done, 
where you have been successful in your life because you have put a lot of practice into it. Well, for me, I know I'm older, but I seem to always go back to my younger years where it seems like the part of my life when I was in high school and college where I seemed to give the most practice and I was very intentional towards one thing, and that was being a cheerleader. So I had to do a lot of practicing and for us to go to competitions. We, I practiced tumbling. It was just, you know, it was just a lot to, if, you're, you, if we were going to be good. I lived on the ball field. I lived uh, on, at the, you know, football field and on a basketball court. And how exciting it was to be a part of games where there was just tough competition going on. And that very last shot as the clock was ticking down and the ball went in the hoop and in the basketball goal. And I know my kids are going to make fun of me for that one, saying the hoop. And, um, but in the basketball goal, and, I, and then it's like our team won. Or the touchdown that, uh, that the quarterback made, with the, threw to the receiver, and he ran for the touchdown. How exciting those times are. But what we all know is that all, with all that excitement, that didn't, the excellence in crafting their skill in being a good athlete didn't happen in the game. It happened in the place where nobody saw. Nobody knew what they were doing, the practice that it took, the dedication that it took. And that's how it is in all of our lives. You see, none of us have to look in our lives to see where we have put it, the hours of practice, you are probably excelling. But if you want to do anything great, it takes practice. So this is a journey to understand that practice, not games, makes champions. Practice not performance, just like today when we saw on the stage of people that were standing here singing. Many of them have a talent, but it takes developing their voice. It took them coming during the week and practicing. All these musicians would not come together and be able to make this beautiful sound unless they had practiced. So many philosophers have shared the thoughts on practice and scientists. Psychologists say, and this one psychologist, his name is Anders Ericsson, who is the leading authority on practice. Sorry, my, con my contact is, I need to press it so I can see. <laughs> Crazy, that's why I'm looking a little closer. His research is based on 10-year rule, you probably heard of it, 10,000 hours of practice. You see, he says it requires at least 10 years to, to, or 10,000 hours of practice to achieve and, and be an expert level performance. So that is deliberate practice. If we're going to achieve and be excellent in a skill, we have to think in our mind, it's going to take 10,000 hours or it's going to take 10 years. So that is being intentional. That's being deliberate. There's also a mindless practice. Do you know what mindless practice is? It's a waste of time. It makes you less confident. It's tedious and it's boring. But you know that's what most all of our relationships are. Because we go day in and day out. We're just going through life. We just come in the house. We maybe say hello, maybe we don't. It's just monotonous day in and day out. And we really aren't intentional about what we do. We aren't thinking it's leading us anywhere. We're just really just going through life. But what about if we thought about practicing our life as if it was deliberate? We are being intentional about the things that we do. That means you're going to be strategic. That means you're going to set goals. You're going to work smarter, not harder. Well, I believe relationships are the most important foundation for your life. And to have healthy relationships, you must practice deliberately. You know, for some of you, we've encouraged you to establish your family mission statement, to know your values. That's going to be you're being deliberate about how you live your life, not just going through life, case sirrah, whatever will be, will be. And you know what? Just sometimes we can do that. We can go through life like that, and we're not really going to get anywhere. But when we get intentional about 
What is it that we need to be practicing? What is it that we need to be putting our 10,000 hours into? You're going to become an expert in that area. Well, I want to tell you about the first scripture, and I want to encourage you that you need to practice loving well, because that's important in our relationships. 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Dear friends, let us practice loving each other, for love comes from God, and those who are loving and kind show that. They are the children of God and that they are getting to know him better. But if a person isn't loving and kind, it shows that he doesn't know God, for God is love. So what it's saying there is if we're not loving and we're not kind, we must not really know God. Because when we know God and know the power of God that lives inside of us, then we're going to be loving and we're going to be kind. And that's what God wants us to do in our relationships, in all of our relationships, not just our most intimate relationships, but all of our relationships. We need to be loving and be kind. You see, if we're going to love well, there's certain things that we need to do. The first thing we need to do is practice forgiveness. In Matthew 18, 22, Peter says, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive? You know the scripture. What does he say? Seventy times seven. We need to practice forgiving. But how many times do we forget that? Because we hold on to some of our unforgiveness in some of the ways that people have hurt us. We need to practice letting go. Isaiah 43 says, forget not the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not know it? See, God is always wanting to do new things, but we don't let go of the past. We hold on to things, hurts and pains and things that have happened in our relationships, and we don't let go. But God is telling us, I want to do a new thing in your life. This is a new relationship. This is a new friendship. You got to trust again. You got to believe again because this person is different. But even if they're not, you know what? Keep trusting. Keep letting go because life will be full of letting go, right? If you've lived long enough of life, you know it's a lot of letting go, just releasing, shaking it off, letting it go. We have to, that's what I love about starting every new day, is that you get a fresh start again. It's not just about the new year. It's about getting up every day saying, I'm letting go. Practice until you don't even have to think about being good at relationships because it just becomes automatic. When you really focus on your relationships of saying, I want to practice and be deliberate in how I do relationships. I'm gonna get so good at this, it's just gonna be so automatic. You train yourself that way. You see, you don't let good become the enemy of great. We established a family mission statement when our kids were really little. Many of you have heard this. It's the, what, what we say is don't allow the good to be robber of the best. We wanted our kids to know that there was always a higher level or a place that they could achieve to. It's not just about being good, like being satisfied, but you know, can we be better? Can we do better? So if I can encourage you to practice better, getting better at getting better. I mean, think about that. Practice getting better at getting better. Why do we need to do that? Because we go through so many seasons of our life. When I first married Pastor Keith, or even take it back to when we were 15 years old and we first met. I'm glad I'm getting better at getting better that I don't act the same way I did when I was 15. And I'm surely glad that he is getting better at getting better. But the, isn't that how it is? It's always never about us getting better. It's like the person I'm with needs to get better at getting better. But for all of us, we need to think about that. What can we do in our lives that we truly can get better? You see, Jesus is telling us to build our lives on him and his truth. If we do this, it will last. I'm going to take you to this scripture so I can tell you exactly what that means. You see, in Matthew 7, 24 and 27, Jesus told this story. I'm going to get to it in just a second. Told this story about two men. Now, he had just preached the greatest sermon. He had preached the Sermon on the Mount. 
It's the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. We all know about it. But right after that sermon is a parable. And this is the parable, and it is about two people. And you can decide which one are you as I lay out this story. Matthew 7, 24 and 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now all of us want to be the man, right, that their house stood standing and their house was on the rock and it didn't fall and go away. But we have to decide, are we living that in our life? You see, he's telling the story of two men. Their stories are very similar. There's just one difference. Let me tell you how they're similar. You see, house in this scripture represents dreams. So we all have dreams. These two men had dreams. This house represents your family. You know, all of us want great families. We want thriving and happy and families. It represents your life. We don't want boring lives. We want strong and, and, and people that are come alongside with us that are faithful and great. We want a great life, don't we? We don't go through this life just saying this is what what's my life's going to be. No, we want a great life. And then house also represents the church. It represents ministry. We're all advancing the kingdom. So it represents our lives being vibrant, impactful, and growing. All of us want that. But in this passage, it says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So we can't just be hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word. So if we're going to put it into practice, we're seeing how these two men building a house, building dreams, building a life, building a family, building their ministry— and they're listening to Jesus. Both men are hearing what Jesus says. So they're listening to Jesus and what he says. They're both in church. They're both going the same direction, but they both are faced with a storm. The Bible says that we're going to have storms. We're going to have troubles. I wish I could just tell you that you know what, when you came to Christ, or now that you're at Elevate Life Church, guess what? You're never going to have a storm. You know what? You keep giving your money and tithing, you're not ever going to face a storm. You're not ever going to face trouble. But that is not the truth. For all of us, we live in this world, and we, trouble is going to come. It tells us in the Word of God. Now, we hate that. I, I don't want that. I don't want that in my own life. I don't want that for you. But we know trouble's going to come. So, this is what happened in these, man's, these men's life. I mean, they're living life, and all of a sudden trouble comes. For us, we see it. We see marriage is hard. Life is hard. Just friendships are hard. It's just hard. There's so many similarities, but there's just one difference in these two men. You see, wisdom, it's not just information. It has to do with decision-making. Every week you hear information. See, we're all in this place. We're one of these two people, just like they are. They heard information, but the difference in these two men will be in their decisions. The same is true with you. You come into church, you hear a message, and we can go out of here and our lives can look totally different based on the decisions that we make. Where we are today in our lives is because of the decisions that we made. If I didn't make a decision to marry Pastor Keith, my life would look a lot different, right? And the same is true for you. So our decisions are very important because they alter the course of our life. So these two men, they, they have made these different, totally different decisions. One chose the rock. He's gonna build his house on the rock. 
So building his house on the rock, it is hard. We know a rock is hard anyway, but it's going to be hard. It represents the fact that it's going to take time. It's going to be expensive. It's going to require you to do things that we don't want to do. How many of you know in relationships, we're required to do things that we don't want to do? And that's what building your house on the rock will look like. It takes practice. It's going to be hard. But you know what else it represents? It represents God's word. But if you build your, sand, your house on the sand, then what you're choosing is easy, is least resistance. It represents, it's quick, it's easy, it wouldn't cost as much. It represents the inability to apply spiritual truths and life's decisions. We know what to do, but we don't do it. It's coming to church, it's listening to God's word, but we don't do it. We get counsel, but we don't apply it. That's what it looks like when we build our house on the sand. Now, when I had, was processing this message and putting it together, I felt like everything I was saying was pretty like, don't, don't, don't. You know, I'm just telling you all these seems like direct and kind of hard things. But, and I, want, I kept saying, Sheila, be sweet, be sweet. These people need encouragement. And I want you to feel encouraged today. And hopefully I say something today will encourage you because I do want to be sweet, but I want to tell you the word of God sometimes is hard and it doesn't just always feel sweet. But if I just gave you sweet and you went out of here and then you come upon a trial or you have struggles in your relationship, sweet is just not going to get you. Yeah, be sweet and be kind, but you got to get some facts and some real hard truths. Because in the process, in Hebrews uh, 13, 5, he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So when you go through tough times and you go through trials, he's going to be there for you. Well, what, why are most people on track to never have great relationships? I hate to say that, but there's a lot of people that don't even have one great relationship because they can't be bothered to learn how. And even if they know how, they won't practice. Do you know anybody like that? I know it's not you. I, just, you know, hit the person next to you. But you know what to do, but you don't do it. I can say that is true for my own life. Sometimes I know what to do, but it feels so good just in this moment, just to waller in my self-pity, to waller in just this, ooh, I'm just going to be mad. I'm going to show him I'm mad. He did wrong to me. He made me feel bad. So, you know, I'm just going to pout for a little while. And so, for all of us, that just feels good. So what we do, we sit. We don't move. But if we are going to practice, if we're going to have great relationships and get those 10,000 hours in, get the years in that it takes in building a strong relationship, then there's going to be movement. You have to do something. We see this all in the Word of God. God's Word is activated by motion. All throughout Scripture, God tells us from what they must do before He does anything. So He's going to say, if you do this, I'm going to do this. When you do this, I'm going to do this. So one of the things is Moses. What did Moses do? He held out his rod and the Red Sea was opened up. Joshua, he told the priest, when you walk into the Jordan, the Jordan will be blocked and you could carry the Ark of the Covenant across the Jordan. But if they had not did motion stepped, gone a direction, then it wouldn't have happened. Also, we see in, uh, with Mary, Jesus told Mary, roll away the stone. And when that happened, Lazarus came forth. You see, it is in the absence of acting on the word that keeps it from working in our lives. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. So the word is not going to be active in your life if we don't take it and apply it to our life. So we can have great knowledge of the word. We can listen to, I mean, podcasts and have all these pastors that we listen to and get all this information. But we've got to practice it. We've got to apply it to our lives. 
You can have counselors that speak into your life, but how many people have left counseling appointments and don't apply what the counselor asks them to do? Do you know that on Wednesday night here, we have a marriage class that can help you? Yes, it's an amazing class. Pastor Buddy and Vicki lead this class. And you can get help in your relationship. But guess what you have to do? Move. You have to get here. You have to jump in your car on Wednesday night and get here and let them feed you some food and let them feed you the Word of God. And then you go out of here and you put action to it. When you come into church on the weekend, take the Word and what you hear. There's two types of people that are sitting in this room. The people that apply the Word and take action and the people that don't. So in this story of the wise man and the foolish man, you see, it didn't become apparent who the wise man was and who the foolish man was until the storms came. But before I tell you the rest of that, I want you to see this picture of the Tower of Pisa on the screen. Not pizza, but Pisa. One time we went there when Josh was 18 years old and he would graduated from high school. And I'm just going to encourage you, don't waste your money, right? If you ever want to go there, just look at it. It looks way more impressive on the picture because what it is, it's a clock tower. It's a, it's a, a church that was built and they built this clock tower. Well, look at it the way it's leaning. How We can all know the reason it's leaning is because it doesn't have a good foundation. And... So when you go there, there's all these straps that are holding. It's a little scary to walk up to it or walk up in it because you're like, is this thing going to fall over? I mean, they're telling you that it moves an eighth of an inch every year. So eventually, when is it just going to lay down? And I don't want to be there when it lays down. So, but this is what a bad foundation looks like. And people go just to look at this. I mean, I don't get it. It's like, we only went there because we were on a cruise and we stopped there. Otherwise, it's really a waste. Don't waste your money on it, okay? But I just wanted to show you this foundation. So back to this man, these two people that are building their foundation. So what happens is it becomes apparent when the storm comes what their foundations look like. They didn't know. They didn't know. Their houses are just standing up, looking. They both look great, great houses. Everything looks good. But they didn't know until the storms come, had come. You see, as long as it wasn't raining, the family looks good, the ministry looks good, the dreams look good. But when the storm came, it revealed who had what. Storms are a very important part of God's plan for your life. They're designed to reveal your foundation. You see, God knows your foundation, but he brings storms in your life. He allows storms. He doesn't just bring them in your life. He allows them in your life. And you're like, why would God do that? It reveals your foundation. He wants your foundation to be set. He wants your foundation to be strong. So what does it look like when the storms come in your relationships? Are you falling apart? Do you look a mess? Because God does not want that for you. But what happens in the storm is we have the chance to grow stronger. Now, we can't go out when the storm comes and you don't start working on your foundation, right? But when the storms pass, then you can begin to work on your foundation. It's important for us to always be working on our foundation. So God already knows. He knows exactly everything about where your foundation is. We can apply God's word to our foundation. When we do this, just like I told you, you're going to forgive, you're going to let go, and you're going to practice joy. Those are some things that you can do to build your foundation. Also, don't hold a grudge by rehearsing your pain. All of us go through pain. And I hate that some of you have been, have experienced a lot of pain in your life. But just what the enemy wants you to do is to hold on to your pain, to not look forward, to not move forward, and to stay exactly where you are, keep rehearsing it, create ruts in your brain. It's actually what psychologists say that we do. And so we just like, they'll never hurt me again. I'll never allow that again. And before long, your life 
does not look good. You just are so focused on what somebody has done and they're like off in the tulips and the daisies and having a good life and you're just stuck in the mud. And so the enemy wants you to do that, to be focused on others and the pain they've caused you. Also, if you're going to build your foundation, you need to be kind. Can we work on being kind? In this day and age that we live, people are just not kind anymore. They're just putting all kinds of ugliness, saying things and disguising themselves behind a secret post and things like that, just being ugly. We need to learn how the other person wants to be loved. We know this. Many of you have heard about the five love language, lang languages. As we know this about the love languages and we know what they are, you, is there anybody that's never heard of the five love languages? Okay, I, I, I don't see a hand. Okay, so we all know the five love languages. Can I just, I didn't ask the first service this. Can I ask you, how many of you apply the five love languages in all your relationships. Okay, I see that. Guess what? We all know it's quality time. It's physical touch. It's words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. If we know this, and we know this is good for our relationships, not just our most intimate relationships, but with our friendships, it's good. What if your friend likes gifts? How about we think, not that you're going to do it all the time, but I'm just going to love them well, and I'm going to give them a gift. Or your spouse, acts of service is a big deal. It's a big deal to me. I love when Pastor Keith takes out the trash. I love when, when he helps me hang curtains. I love, when, I love when he helps me paint. Acts of service is not his strength. But he will go above and beyond. One time he told me, he said, I want to tell you, that if you start painting, I, just know, I, I don't want to paint today. I'm not in, I just don't want to do that. That's something you like. And I said, okay, I'm good with that. I'm just going to go in there and paint this room. We well, saw how long it was taking me. It was taking me a lot longer. He just said to himself, if I got in there and helped her, this would go a lot faster. The next thing I know, he's in the room with me, helping me. And he had just said, just please don't ask me to do it. And he gets in there. Well, what did he do? He's loving me well. Now, if he didn't do it, I was fine with it too, because it's something that I wanted to do and something that I enjoyed. But when we all know things and ways that we can love our spouse or love our friends, let's do it. Let's put action to this, to what the Word of God says, that we need to love each other. We need to love our neighbor as ourself. Amen? Okay, so my first point, I said all of that, and I did not give you, I sound like Pastor Keith, don't I? Okay, but I've only got two points, so that's good. So how can I have transformational relationships? Transformational relationships begin with what is inside of you. Practice makes you. So what kind of relationships do you want in your life? You have to answer that question. What kind of relationships do you want? You see, whatever you want, be that person. Whatever you want, be that person. But so many times we don't do that. We want that other person to be that person. You see, you will attract who you are and not who they are. So whether that's with your friendships, with an employer, with an employee, whatever you want, be that. Put energy, care, and focus into making yourself better. When you do this, it will be proportionate to the level of relationships you will have. So when you work on you, guess what? You're going to have rich, amazing, loving relationships. When we stop focusing on the other person to do it, but we say, I am going to do it. So if you can't, if you can't help the relationship, then do it. So if practice makes you, this is what you need to do. Always be the first to move. Always be the first to move. If you can do it, do it. And don't wait for the other person to act, even if you don't want to. So if you're going to work on being your best you, if you're going to work on practice, learning that practice makes you, then you're going to be the first to move and you'll be the first to do it. So what many times what we do, we wait for the other person to say hello. We wait for the 
other person to initiate a conversation. We wait for our spouse to set up a date or to apologize or to ask for forgiveness. We compliment them or say thank you. You know, they didn't compliment me. They didn't tell me I look good, so I'm not going to tell them they look good. They never thanked me, so I'm not going to thank them. That's not going to bring about transformational relationships. You step up and be the best you. And I just believe that when you do that, I'm telling you, your spouse, friends, they'll come along and you'll just elevate the room. You'll elevate your relationships because of what you bring to the relationship. I would just tell you, Pastor Keith has done that for me because he's been very intentional with me in our relationships. He's always saying, oh, look at you. Look what you've got on. You look so cute. and You look amazing. He's always complimenting me. And a lot of times he's like, I mean, he doesn't say it. He's done it every once in a while. It's like, do you ever give me a compliment? And I'm like, I got to get better at that. I'll think it. You've, maybe some of you are like this too. I'll think it. And I'm like, oh, look at him. He looks so good. He looks so hot. But then I don't say it. We got to say it. We got to do that. We got to develop ourselves. But most people wait for the other person to say it. This, a lot of times when you decide, you don't, I don't want to do that. You know, he doesn't deserve me to act that way or to love him that way. Well, you know what that ends up being? It's pride. And it's one of the main killers of marriage. The Bible ranks healthy relationships as the most important thing in your life. Your, your relationships are the most important thing. But how can we get there? We tell ourselves stories about what we can do and what we can't do. Even when I'm talking to you, you're saying, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, I can do that, but I can't do that. We got to let that go. We got you can do all things, right? Through Christ who gives you strength. That scripture has been quoted over and over and over. But what if we apply it in our relationships, even when it's tough? Because it is tough. So how are we going to get there? You know what we're going to do? We're going to stop making excuses about where we are in life, and we're going to mature. How many times do we make excuses about, well, the reason why I'm here is because of this or because this happened in my life? But what if we just decide, I'm going to grow. I'm going to mature. I'm not going to keep staying the same. I'm going to get involved in that Bible study. I'm going to get in that small group. I'm going to get connected and serving in the house because I know as I do that and as I serve others and I learn about myself that I'm going to mature and I'm going to grow. I'm going to stop making excuses for my life and where I am. Hey, I'm going to eventually, I'm going to be one of those Bible study leaders. I'm going to lead that freedom group because I'm going to get free in my own life. So eventually I'm going to be a leader. Don't make excuses for where you are because, you know, my life, what I've been through, and if you only knew, yes, you have been through some tough stuff. I understand that. But you can get out of that. You know, you can excel in this house. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. God is calling you up. Because what happens? We know it. It is what we say around here. When you elevate your thinking, you elevate your life. That's right. So we need to stop blaming others for who we are. When we blame others, do you know what it does? It becomes our hiding place for change. We don't change because we blame. Because the reason why I'm going to be here is because, you know what, I've been divorced. The reason why I blame this situation, why I am where I am, because the way they treat me. I just blame, blame, blame. And all of a sudden, you're hiding behind how God wants you to change. You can be better. You can do better. But we just blame so we never change. We blame our parents for how they raised us. We blame our parents for the house that we grew up in or maybe the state we were in. I mean, get whatever. You left that state. You're here now. So awesome. Don't blame them for the state they raised you in or the cold or the uh, whatever all those things are that we do. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Now that sounds harsh, and that's really hard for me to say because I have a lot of stops on this page. And normally I don't want I would never tell you that if I ever talked to you personally. I would never say that to you. But I've got a microphone and I'm talking to a general audience. So I can just say, because if I'm talking to you, you know what I'm gonna say? I'm sorry. But I don't want you to feel sorry for yourself because 
that's just what the enemy wants, is you to get pitiful and feel like you don't measure up and you're not enough and you don't have what I have and I didn't get the life you got. Like, stop, because you are enough. In Christ, you are enough. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. Another thing, stop living a fake life. Do you know social media does this to us? And we buy into the lie of posting these pictures. And it's okay for some of them. I mean, sometimes we post pictures that, you know, the girls are crying and we're like, smile, smile, or we tickle them. It's a little fake because we're trying to get a picture, but Whitney's really good at her mommy moments and posts really what her girls are doing and they're crying and things like that. But you know what, sometimes, and nobody really wants to post those crazy pictures, so I understand it. But if we live our life in this fake life, we are living half-truths. Because what we end up doing is telling ourselves a lie. It's a dangerous place to live because no one cares. No one cares that you're posting your fake life. They may say, oh, I really know them and that's fake. But what happens, it's the damage that it's doing to your relationship because you're not addressing your relationship and the struggles that you're having in your relationship. So you just poke fake so nobody knows. So you come into church, you smile, and that's great. We want to come into church and smile, and we want to greet everybody. We're leading ourselves when we do that. We don't always feel that way. But in life, when you're dealing with day-to-day -day stuff, we need to deal with the reality and with our real life. Because I, do you want a real life? I, I want a real life. I want to work through the challenges when the storms come. I want to know that my life is secure. I want to be transparent in my marriage where I work and it's, it's hard. We have conversations. Pastor Keith and I, I don't know if it was like five years, we stayed on this one topic. We always kept coming around back to this one topic that I struggled with. And so he would, we would, I mean, I'm talking like we would just sit for hours, night after night, and talk about this one subject because he saw something one way and I saw something another way. So it brought challenges in me, but I would rather have the tough conversations night after night after night, create an intimacy in our relationship where we're hearing each other, we're listening to each other, we're working through life's problems. So conversations need to take place. We need to stop playing safe. It's not fine to just do nothing. In your relationships, if you're sitting here and you're miserable and you don't have a good marriage or you, there, you don't really have any friends, you need to work on developing that. Take action. Move on it. Don't get stuck because life is always challenging. There's always going to be the ups and downs, but we've got to be willing to change. In our relationships, somebody's got to budge. Somebody's got to move. I want to show you this picture of this man on the screen, and all of you know who this is. He's someone we all knew and loved. He seemed to have the perfect life. He was funny. I love how he acted like a kid and how fun he was. He made us all laugh. I like that he was silly because sometimes I can be like if I'm in front of people, I got to be proper and got to make sure I was always like more insecure standing on the stage and what I might say or how it might come across or, you know, being very careful with my words. It was just full of fear, really. And I love when people are just who they are. They don't care. Kind of like Pastor Keith, right? Were you here on Wednesday night of our relationship weekend? where he's all laid back in the chair and he's singing his songs. and He's got his love songs and just who he is and like, next one, next one. And about 15 into next one, I'm getting a little stressed because I know we've got a lot to say. But I love his freedom that he has just to be him, just to be who he is. Don't you love when somebody is just who they are? You know, they don't have to be anybody else, but just, that's what I appreciate about Robin Williams. And you know what, he had so many uh, things that he accomplished in his life. He wanted to be on a TV show and he did it. He wanted to make movies and he did that. He wanted a beautiful family and a beautiful wife and he did that. He achieved everything, but he hung himself. You see, his life was full of drug abuse. It was full of alcohol abuse. Some people said that 
he had dementia and maybe that's why he took his life. But most of his life, he was not happy, but the world never knew it. I don't want to live my life that way. I don't want to live my life not being fulfilled in who I am, that to everybody else, I'm making everybody else happy and I'm pleasing everybody else. But inside, it's all falling apart on the inside. So if we're going to have transformational rela relationships, practice makes you. So you're going to have to practice being your best you. And then number two, how do we have transformational relationships? They happen when you are transforming yourself. Practice makes permanent. So when you're practicing, it's going to eventually be permanent. You're going to eventually get there with 10,000 hours in 10 years. Some of you can say that in your own life. You've got some permanent things that you're doing in your life because you've done it long enough that now you're able to live it out in your relationship. So in your relationship, when things used to be triggers in your relationship and your spouse would maybe say something to you or there would be things, whether it's places you work or whatever, whatever the dynamics are of your relationship, they don't phase you anymore. You've grown. You've made it permanent where I'm fixing this thing. I'm not going to keep reacting to this. I'm not going to keep, you know, acting this way and my, getting my emotions all upset. I am going to deal with myself and I'm going to work on me to the point that it becomes permanent in my life. You see, you have to do the hard work to do that. You have to keep practicing. When you practice by design rather than by default, you'll create inst instinctive behaviors that lead to success. See, if you don't want to grow and you just say, you know what, just accept me for me, I'm tired of all this growth stuff. You know, if you just say that and you stay in that place, it's very selfish because you got to do life with a lot of people. So that person is going to be changing on the other side of your relationship. But if you just stay stuck and you blame your lack of growth on other people, you uh, make excuses for yourself, and you just say, I'm satisfied where I am. I don't have to be like you. No, you don't have to be like anybody else, but I'm going to encourage you to be your best you. So it's okay to be you, but make sure it's your best you and that the person you're living with feels like it's your best you. Because I'm going to make sure with Pastor Keith that I'm going to love him well. Have I always loved him well? No. Through my insecurities, through my fears, there's a lot of times I couldn't love well. But because I've been practicing this now, we've been together for 45 years. I've been practicing being with Pastor Keith. It's been a long time. Then you know what? I can say it's become permanent, that I'm not full of insecurities and fears within myself. So I want to tell you, this is such a, a, a powerful visual of what we say and what we do in our lives. In the 1990s, Dr. Masario Emoto performed a series of experiments on the effects our words, prayers, and music have on the crystalline structure of water. So see, 70% of our bodies are made of water. 70% of the earth. I mean, look at this natural, supernatural correlation. 70% of the earth is covered in water, water, and 70% of our bodies is made of water. What he did is he froze these droplets of water, and he looked under a special microscope. I know you're already looking at it. So what happens when he froze these droplets of water? In the, as the water was freezing, he spoke the word compassion. When he spoke compassion, this is what that water looked like. When he spoke thank you, this is the crystal that was formed. The next one, wisdom. But look at the next one, heavy metal music. Now, I know you like heavy metal music, and that's all good. But look at what was formed with, I'm sure it was the extreme electric guitar that was screaming at the water. You can, you can listen to that, but you'll, I'm going to show you in a minute how you can change it. I will kill you. Look what happens in the structure of the water. You fool. But this is what happens in our relationships. This is what we do. We say, you're stupid. You're an idiot. I can't stand living with you. I don't even like you. I don't even know why I stay around here. And look what we're doing in our environment. 
So watch this. This was uh, for jar of water, I don't even know how to say that, damn water. So this is what it was before. And this is what it was. They took the water and this is what it looked like. After prayer, they were, they were praying over the water. Look what happened to the water. Look what was formed. So think about the power of your words, the kindness to, that we can express to impact our health. Some of you are in, are, your bodies are not healthy. You need to know what are you saying? What is coming into your home? What is being spoken into the atmosphere that your body is unhealthy? I'm not saying that's because it's unhealthy, but how can you bring healing to the molecular structure of 70% of your body being water? Could every cell in your body align with what you declare? What if that was so? We're seeing this on the screen. 70% of our body is made of water. So if we declare it, our words are like seeds. They give life to what we are saying. We know this according to the word of God. You are becoming what you speak. We know this. We, whatever we say about ourselves, whatever we're speaking is who we're going to be becoming. So if we say, I'm an idiot. I was so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I, I've done that a lot in my life when I've been embarrassed, when I didn't feel like I measured up. You're so stupid. Why didn't you get that thought right? You know, why did you say that? You may say, you do that? Absolutely. We all do that. All of us in here have spoken. But your life and your relationships will move the direction you, sp you speak. So listen, we sang, I've told Arthur, I want you to come out here. Because it was so powerful as I was thinking about our message. And I think about every time you come into this building and every time you hear the music. So we sang breaking in my favor. There's a shifting in my direction as I praise. What if we really believe that? What if we believe that God was breaking something as we praised? Because we see on the screen what it looks like in the supernatural or in the natural. We can see what it looks like, but the supernatural, we don't realize what's happening. But let's sing that. I want you to sing this out and believe over your circumstances. Believe over your situation and what you're facing right now. Say, God, there's a breaking in my favor. There's a shifting in my direction. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.